morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Oh, I'm in the wrong place. We're going to do the wrong background today. Hope everybody's doing amazing. Happy Wednesday for those that are here live. Happy whatever day of week it is for you. Thanks so much for joining us. We've been talking yesterday about this concept of being part of the Gideon's 300. The ability to understand that what you stand for is more than yourself. Now, this takes place on two levels. It takes place both physically, but it also takes place spiritually. We don't appreciate and understand that. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that like gets to this. It's actually a spiritual concept that has gone through the Middle Ages and throughout the whole world. I think that's called karma in whatever stream of thought that is in, which I'm not familiar with. But it's a real concept. I believe it was written by an incredible um, uh, man named Rebchaim Volozhny who wrote a sefer called Nefesh Achayim. And he speaks about this concept that when you do something, the impact that you have is not just that which is in front of you, but it's actually you're putting, if you will, goodness into the world. And that goodness is impacting the world in ways that you may not ever appreciate. So when you do the right thing and nobody knows, and you're like, well, who's going to get influenced by that? Well, the way the spiritual world works is that you're adding, so to speak, that goodness to the world and it's changing something. So there's good coming into this world because you went in the corner and did something good. Now, if you just can start to think this way, you start to see yourself in a place of being one piece of a spiritual puzzle that impacts everything else. What you do comes back to you. It may not come back to you directly. It may come back to you in the next generation. It may come back to you, to your children or your family, your friends. But the good you bring to the world doesn't get lost. And that, that's part of what we were talking about just a few weeks earlier, which was this idea of living with faith. Part of the spiritual science that requires a little bit of faith because we can't sense it. It's not just that everything that's in the world is given is given for you, which is it, itself a whole level of belief. It's that everything that I do in the world is, is counted, is watched. Nothing's for waste. If I don't get the immediate reaction from the environment around me, it doesn't mean that it's wasted. If I do something that's good, if I do something that's right, it's counted, it's, it's observed, and it'll be rewarded, so to speak. So the impact that I have on the world in even a small little thing that I've done in my own house is real. I'm adding goodness to the world. I'm adding light to the world and the world will be impacted around it. So yesterday we spoke about when you feel responsible for yourself because other people are watching you. You don't appreciate that your, your, your words and your actions impact others. And you never know who's looking. You never know who's watching. You never know who's being impacted by you. And we spoke yesterday about this idea of the trip that we just took and how one person raising their hand and saying, I'm in, led to the next person saying, I'm in, which led to the next five people saying, I'm in, which led to an entire trip of people going to Israel. And that's amazing. And that's the first way in which we have to understand the impact of our lives is that none of us live in silos. 
None of us live without people that watch us and look at us and are affected by us. Nobody does. It doesn't matter if you have a very large family or a small family, if you live on your own or with other people, it doesn't matter. Nobody lives alone. Everybody impacts others. The smile that you bring to the, the, the coffee counter is, has an impact. The, the way that you conduct yourself has an impact. And if you ever think otherwise, anytime, which we should never go anymore, but anytime you've ever been to a funeral, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because the people that speak, and again, we should never know these things. People that speak at the funeral seem to pick up on the smallest things that the person who has been, has, has, had recently passed would have never thought that people are picking up on. Many times you'll see somebody get up and speak. And they will speak about some small thing that if you're paying attention and you're asking yourself, do you think the person who passed knew this? They would never say yes. And, the, and until the funeral, the speaker, if you will, wouldn't have even noticed it. It's only because they were writing a eulogy and reflecting on the person's life that they then connect the dots that when that person said, you can do it, honey, 10 years earlier, it changed their lives. Just because people are not recognizing each other, it doesn't mean that the impact isn't being made. Just because people are not slowing down to realize like, oh my gosh, I am who I am because you do this, you do that, da, 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 da. it doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means that we don't have time to reflect. And because we're not getting positive feedback, it doesn't mean it's not happening. So you could be going in your, through your life, adding value in ways that you have no idea because no one ever told you. And the people that you're adding value to don't even know to tell you because they don't even, they don't even realize it. And with God's help, you should be healthy and well in 120. And so they don't have a minute to reflect because you're, not, you're still around. They don't need to miss you. They don't need to reflect about you because they have you. So much of life is that way. That's why we, when we do these trips, one of the things we found, to be honest, is that the hardest part of going on a trip like the ones we take, which is for adult men, the one we take, the one we went from Dizzle for is for 35, 55-year-old men. These guys have lives. They're very busy. But only till you're in Israel do they realize that, wait, wait, wait a second. I'm not in my life. I'm not with my family. I'm not at my job. And now you can like reflect because when you're in the game, you can't reflect. You can't reflect when you're playing the game. You can't, you know, analyze when you're running on the treadmill. Well, that's how it works with who you're impacting every single day. Just because we're not getting the feedback, it doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just because it just means that we're in the middle of the game and nobody even knows to slow down. But it doesn't change the fact that we have to live with this responsibility. That everything you do is impacting somebody else. And how you conduct yourself matters. And whether you bring positivity or negativity matters. I was just dealing with this with one of the companies. And they were, I was literally talking to them about this concept. They had a, this particular company had, a, had, a, had a, a little bit of a negative culture. So I was talking to one of their employees and he was explaining to me that it took him a while because he joined the company 
And it, it took him like three or four years to realize that he was acting in a way that really wasn't him. And he didn't know why. Like he'd walk into the company and be like, you know, yelling and passive aggressive. And, and then he would just like leave. And like, he'd be back to himself and he never connected to any, he just assumed that was because what the company was doing was critical. They're working on this new technology. And if it doesn't get done at a certain time, right? Milestones, whatever. And then later he realized that that was nothing to do with the technology. The culture of the company was one in which it was product before people. And it started with the founder when it, you know, the founder started this, you know, like a lot of founders. And like, you know, his living room. And he was so hard on himself. And the first few people that he hired, I guess, was able to take his abuse. And then as they hired more, they just gave the abuse over the next generation. You know how that works? And, they, and then it just, it just continued. Until like you wake up one day and like everyone's just mad at each other all the time. And, and they do great work. The product is great. And so no one thinks to think about it. And so here's a guy who's like a regular, good, normal guy. And like, he's thrown into this environment and he just feels this, like, I don't know, this, this air, this like mental signals, these, just like the environment of like product before people. And like, then he gets people that, that report to him. He's just, he's abusing them. He's abusing them. But like, it doesn't matter because we have deadlines that we just created yesterday to get something done that may or may not matter. But who thinks this deep? And it's like, go, 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 go all the time. And then, you know, you're done. You feel like you're, you're, you're super macho. And meanwhile, people around you are scared of you, but no one says anything. They just, that's the environment. You hear? Like the founder impacted hundreds of people to yell at each other for some money. You, he would never know that. And no employee would connect any dots. But that's what it means to see yourself as responsible for others. Because when you treat someone else a certain way, especially if you're in your own company, that person is more inclined to treat another person that way. And then it continues on. So when we treat our children in a certain way and they learn these habits and they treat theirs and theirs, and yeah, we're responsible for that. It's scary. It's called being responsible. Being responsible is scary. It's an opportunity that could either be leveraged for incredible greatness or, or for incredible disaster. That's the idea. You know, look at look at some of the greatest disaster leaders we've ever like we've ever had. How do you take a normal human being who's like a regular, like, I don't know, like Polish or German storekeeper and turn him into like a Nazi? You think like he just wakes up one morning and is like, oh, why don't I just kill innocent people? Like, how do you take regular normal people and have them work, you know, double shifts in like Auschwitz? You ever see that? There's a famous uh, book called um, Summer in Auschwitz, I think it's called. I don't know. I don't know if you guys can find it. I forgot what it's called, but I, I saw the, um, the book. It was amazing. Like amazing. 
I think it was called Summer of 1939. I don't remember. Maybe Judy or somebody can look it up for us. Basically, it was a, they found a, um, a scrapbook of some Germans in like the late 1930s. And it was like summer camp. And like, you see pictures of them, like, you know, you know, guys and girls, like, you know, smiling and they're picking berries. And like, you know, there's, they went on like a little hike and like, you know, like just like a scrapbook that you would see like in a normal life of like a young adult, like, you know, a secular young adult, summer, camp, friends, hiking, you know, whatever. And then, and that was, they just found the scrapbook. And whoever found the scrapbook started to like put pieces together and go, wait, what camp did they go to? What year was it? And then they realized that these were all the guards or the employees of like Birkenau or Auschwitz. Like that was summer camp. Like during the day, they gassed people and at night they went picking berries. Like it wasn't like this group that was like shooting innocent people like at night went back and was like, oh my God, how did I do it? Or worse, sat around the campfire and like, you know, rubbed their hands in a sinister voice and like cackled. They just went picking berries. Like whatever, that's my job. Like, I don't know. Like, what do I do from nine to five? I don't know. Gas people. And then in the afternoon, like, I don't know, I meet my friend and like, we take a long walk and talk about like, he's mad at her. And like, you know, they were get, they broke up and like, I can't believe it. How does this happen? These are normal people. It's not like in the 1930s, like the Germans were like, you know, they descended from heaven as like the new, you know, evil angel. They were regular people. It happens because somebody influenced them for bad. It happens because the German Nazi propaganda machine modeled behavior until it became normal. It happens because regular people saw behavior and conditioned the normalcy of that behavior in their brain quick enough and deep enough till that became normal. Responsibility. Yeah, the German Nazi party understood that they were not going to destroy the Jewish people with 30 guys or even with the army because the army was too busy trying to conquer the world. They had to deputize regular people to be Nazis. And the whole propaganda machine modeled behavior that created the normalcy of activity in which a regular, normal healthy German father who would probably jump in front of a train for his little boy would shoot someone else's little boy for no other reason other than he was a Jew, which is insane, but it is the human condition. Nobody should think that Nazism was an aberration of the human condition. Nazism was just a manipulation of the human condition. You would be surprised just how well we can condition. And if you don't believe me, just rewind five years or three years and look at some of these protests of pro-Trump, anti-Trump, Antifa, proud. Just look at these. Just watch them. 
and you see that this is not political protests. These are protests of people that have been conditioned to think that the person across the aisle is God's, you know, is the most dangerous person possible. Violence, death. I mean, this is serious stuff. This isn't like 1939 Germany. This is 2018 United States of America. Watch what's going on back then. Just watch. You did not see political debates. You did not see like late, you know, the lady from Massachusetts, may you speak, you have five minutes, go. Listen to the rhetoric of some of these rallies. You'll see just exactly how regular, hum- I'm not saying everybody was healthy and normal, but regular human people are conditioned because the brain is neuroplastic act in certain ways that are super, super scary, which means that our life can be influencing people for good or for bad. That works. The way you treat somebody teaches the person watching how to treat somebody. You want to go further? I'll go one step further. Go into a restaurant. When you're in a restaurant, I want you to watch the different families and you will see the way mom and dad treats the waiter or waitress, watch the kids. Just go into a restaurant and take a look yourself. Some families, the kids go, thank you. And some families, the kids like think these waiters are like their personal servants. How does a child who's 11 treat an adult who's working an honest living like a servant? You know how? Because mom and dad do. Mom and dad forget that that waiter is also a human being who may be a much harder, healthier, more dedicated worker than they are, but it doesn't matter. And they forget that waiters also are human beings. And the person behind the, the, the counter, yeah, a human being. Subway person, human beings. The ground on the floor isn't a personal garbage can. Stuff like that that may sound normal to us isn't normal to a lot of people. And now watch their kids. And you will see little kids. Watch it. It's incredible. Nine, 10, 11, throwing their garbage on the floor, walking over to people and like, no, thank you. Can I get another one? Can I get another one? Like the way they, how? Human behavior, human conditioning. To response, I'm not saying I'm amazing at it. I'm working like you're working. We're all working on it. But first, we've got to recognize it. The impact that we have on others is massive. You don't have to be the head of a political party or a big rabbi or a a huge influencer. You don't have to have millions of people on your Instagram page in order to influence somebody. You're just going to wake up in the morning and go, oh my gosh, I'm responsible. That's it. And that awareness changes us physically like we opened with spiritually. Okay, we'll talk about it. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. With God's help, I can't wait to see you again in the morning. Speak to you later.